0: It's the Shining Light Podcast. This is Pastor Sam. and hey, Patrick, no with evil, Wyatt. And today we're going to be talking about an interesting subject. In fact, I think, and you know, I, I think, I, I think, oh, meditation. That's what it is. And you were meditating on what that's, you were going to that's that's say. Right. Yes. That's
1: right. It's good that you were thinking that, but the problem is you didn't clear your mind.
0: Oh, well, there's not much there, so it could have been pretty clear clear, to start off. It's a pretty clean slate. Um, (laughs) But but what are we going to be talking about today with meditation?
1: Well, um, an interesting series of events happened to us to to kind of put us on this path. I had a friend contact me a while back saying that uh, meditation had been introduced into his son's school. Now, he lives in a a Colorado rural school district, and that had come in, so he had me go over and take a look at it, and sure enough, there was this whole program in there, and they were calling it mindfulness. They were introducing Mm. it into the public school. They were saying, well, this is a way in a world that's becoming increasingly more violent and more anxiety-ridden and hectic. This will introduce peace to our students, help them not to be anxious, help them not to be violent, help them to cope and find themselves. And this is a good thing. This is a good secular thing we're putting in here. Don't worry about any other parts of it, but, but this is in the public school district. Now, the interesting thing is, this isn't a rural public school district. This isn't, I, I mean, if it's in there, right. it's, it's everywhere. And I've looked after that, I started looking around and a lot of school districts have this stuff being brought in there. It's innocently being presented. This is gonna help your kids. So, um, so it's in a public school system, but some of you may be thinking, well, that's not a, you know, I mean, that's terrible. I, I really feel bad. But I have my children in the Christian public education system, so this stuff's not going to be able to touch my kids. Right, Pastor Sam? That's
0: not quite true. What? No. In fact, uh, we had somebody contact us. Um, one of our viewers. Yeah, one of our viewers. Boy, it's it's actually been a while ago now. I'm not even sure. It's been several months. It has been. Uh, and he contacted and just asked, it, asked us, do we have any uh, material on... Uh, mindfulness specifically is what he was talking about. As you mentioned, what was coming into the mm-hmm. uh, the public school was mindfulness. And he said because this is coming into a, a Christian school. And so he's wanting to go into to protect against it and write a, a study with it. And he actually did an excellent study. In fact, I think we're going to contact him and see if we can put that on our, our site. But we, you know, we're we not going to say that that's for sure because we haven't contacted him yet. But if uh, he
1: does allow it, it's an excellent scholarly piece that I think would be well worth your time. And, and uh, we'll... Uh, Hopefully, this gentleman will be gracious enough to allow us to share his good work.
0: Right. And what was interesting, because at this point in time, we had actually probably, about a month before he contacted us, decided that we were going to look into the new age. And we're going to, Mm -hmm. obviously, meditation has to do with that. And so I told him, I said, you know, we don't have any current things on this. I preached a sermon on contemplative prayer that I sent him. Uh, a couple of years ago that we have got audio for that. And that's that's a, a good one, too, to look at. We'll have to Yeah, that is that. part of it as well. Um, and, and I said, you know, this is about what I have on this and I gave him some thoughts that I had. I said, but we are going to be looking at doing it, some stuff on the New Age here in 2020. Uh, mm-hmm. And so, I, I said, you know, be watching for that. So, we'll have to make sure that he he sees that and, and gets that.
1: Um, kind of a heads up on this.
0: Right. But mindfulness and this meditation isn't something that's just in the secular field anymore. It is... In fact, very much in the, the Christian circles, which is a problem or because the, it's the Christian circles.
1: Yeah, it, it is deeply infused, of course, in culture now. I mean, you hear somebody say, "Well, that's karma for them." Well, where does karma come uh, from? That's that drives me concept. nuts when yeah. Christians point out. And people go, uh, "I go, do you know where karma is?" And I mean, that's just what comes around goes around. I'm going, "No, there's a there's a philosophical false religion meaning attached to the word karma. Karma is not an English word. Right. It comes from the Hindu." Carmel. Is an English word. Caramel candy, caramel apples. Those are the kind of caramels I can get into, but not this other stuff. Right. So, to to show you, though, how this has been planned for a while in the schools, we have an excerpt from an article in 1992. Now, what were you doing in 1992, Pastor Sam? You know, I was doing something really important. What would that be? I was being born. Okay, good for you. So you've grown up in this then. Your whole life has been this, Well, it, uh, under this influence, I mean, it, specifically defined and, and identified in yeah.
0: 1992. So it's funny you mention that, actually, because I was homeschooled from fifth grade through, uh, through graduation of high school, uh, all 17 years of that. It uh, took me a while there in sixth grade. To and you were the know, family genius, yeah. too, so. Yeah. Uh, but uh, kindergarten through fourth grade, I was public school. And my parents actually, I, I don't think I told you this here ahead of time, they actually ran into them trying to push meditation in the school and okay. confronted the teachers with that. And there were also other New Age books that were being read that I was pulled out of so that these wouldn't be read uh, to me during story time. So, I mean, it's wow. it, it, like it, we're looking at the study in 1992 and some people might think, well, this was just simply a projection. It was a projection. It was right. But it was also talked about what was pretty much currently happening even at even that time.
1: Then. so mm-hmm. It's, it's even, even worse now. It's ramped up. So this was a 1992 article from the Institute for Creation Research, and it was titled The New Age in Global Education. So what we're going to do is summarizing the very end of it. In summary, the key elements of global education—I mean, again, that one world education, one world government, one world religion—where have we heard that stuff before? Yeah. yeah. Maybe Revelation? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Embedded in the new age and global education philosophies and currently found in our public school system. This Now, this is 1992, currently found in our public school systems. And these are the, the tenets that, it, that they're pushing with this. So there's six things. Uh, the first one is a cultural relativism, which there are no moral absolutes. Which that relativism, that is one of the four
0: uh, presuppositions um, uh, uh, or... Main pieces of situation
1: ethics too, Joseph relativism. Francis Fletcher, which we've talked about in our cultural Marxism discussions.
0: Right, and and I bring that up because that is such a philosophy that people have bought into, and even people who aren't totally New Age, although it's New Age, it's 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 as to this meditation, people have bought into this, mm-hmm. uh, that there are not not strict standards when it comes to moral absolutes, uh, that it wanes, it depends on the situation, what's right is right, what's wrong is wrong. Well, see this is
1: completely opposite. Right, what Mr. God no tells compromise us. with evil. No compromise <laughs> with evil. God defines, and He's the only individual entity God that can define what's absolutely right and absolutely wrong. He's the Creator. He's divine. He's perfectly good. He's righteous. Only He is qualified to define or make a decision on what is righteous and what's unrighteous. So, so if you brought this into schools. To little kids, you know,
0: five, six, seven, eight, nine, you know, all the way up to you know, even the informative years of, of, you know, the preteen and teenage years. What happens to a child's conscience if they were constantly being taught a cultural relativism and that there are no moral absolutes? What happens to a child's conscience? You have moral anarchy.
1: You have a child that has no moral bearing, no anchor, and you see that manifest in society as a kid is completely unrestrained by any sort of an internal discipline. They can become school shooters, they can do any variety of things. This is the society we have. So when you see these, these killings going on, you look at, in the, into the lives of these kids, you will not find a Christian background. You may find a cultic background that claimed to be Christian, but more often, and almost exclusively in, from what I've been looking at these sort of things is, you will find a kid that's been completely indoctrinated by the education system to be completely heartless, self-centered. There's no right or wrong, and if there's no right or wrong, and all that matters is your feelings, why do you not go out and if somebody makes you angry, you result to violence to take care of that? Right. And, and that's just one example. You know, it used to be asked, "How then
0: shall we live?" Now it's asked, "How then shall we emote?" And and that's that's a really <laughs> uh, bad philosophy to to live your life upon because um, emotions emotions are a good thing. You know, God made emotions; they're mm-hmm. they're not a bad thing. Uh, God tells us to even use our emotions at different times. But one thing we find clearly in Scripture. Emotions are wonderful cabooses, but they're terrible engines. Mm-hmm. When they drive a person, they drive a person crazy. They drive a person to sin. They drive a person uh, over the edge uh, so many times. Self-destruction. That, that, that's what emotion does. And the problem is here is when you don't have uh, moral absolutes, you're being taught a cultural relativism. Your conscience is seared. It's, it's a broken conscience
1: that people have. And in the case of a formative childhood, it's one that's never formed. It's not, never properly right. formed. So you you never had normal, so to speak. The way God designed is you never had that normal instituted in. You had it specifically taken away.
0: Right, but, but we've got more here because we got a lot to cover, so I, I, we should probably keep moving. But each one of these six planks here we could probably talk about
1: for at least two hours. Well, they're, they're today. Like Number two, a de-emphasis of Western culture in our schools, which is Western civilization, the foundation of which is Christianity. A text and related curricular materials with a clearly intentional avoidance of Christian themes related to our Creator and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Not only intentionally avoiding, but now openly mocking and ridiculing these sorts of ideas. So a de-emphasis of Western culture. I mean, that is... Remember, this is coming from 1992. What These are goals they were wanting to implement and were implementing at the time. Well, They've been pretty successful, at least in points one and two so far. Oh, yeah,
0: definitely. Uh, and that de-emphasis of Western culture... Um you think about just that idea of mindfulness and meditation being com- like coming into the school. Those are Eastern religions. Those are Eastern ideas,
1: and they specifically um, try to downplay that. They're saying, "Well, we, we have to we have to avoid mentioning that they come from an Eastern background. We have to assure that these are secular ideas and secular institutions that, that we're putting these into. So so we're going to avoid all that. Hey, uh, claims that this is Eastern religion, but that's just the selling point. They know that this is Eastern oh, yeah. religion, that it's mysticism. It, right. it absolutely is. It cannot be anything other than that. You cannot separate these no. practices no. from no. the religious foundations they come from. Right. And,
0: and this is a, a really interesting idea because that Western culture or that Western civilization, it's, what, what it is is it's taking the Greek questions, the, the questions that the Greek philosophers asked, and it answers them essentially with the Ten Commandments. Mm -hmm. That's what Western civilization and Western culture is based upon. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you you know, in schools, you'll you'll hear all this teaching about Muhammad. You'll hear all this teaching about Buddha and all these uh, other Eastern um, religions and Eastern philosophies. But you know, one thing you won't hear taught is that one time in the United States of America, the place that we are growing up, we had what was called blue laws uh, or Sabbath laws. Mm-hmm. That we had um, all of these different things that were totally based upon the Word of God.
1: Well, the Bible was a textbook in the schools up until Supreme Court rulings taking prayer in the Bible out of the school system sixty two sixty three.
0: Yeah. Well, the greatest minds were formed under the New England Primer, which is is totally uh, scripturally based. I mean, it's it's incredible. I have that. Yeah. Me too. You too. Now, yeah. That's that's what we're. Yeah. I I can't talk about that quite yet.
1: <laughs> so uh, number three there. Curricular materials which support the ideas of downplaying nationalism and pushing one-worldism, so globalism. So do we not see that today, not just in the schools, but openly advocated in the political arena, that being a nationalist or being proud of your country and the history and the great things we've accomplished is a bad thing now. It makes you a racist and a xenophobe and all these things. Well, they were talking about doing this in, in 1992 in the education system, which they are doing. That's mm-hmm. why they can do it publicly now, politically, because they've been so successful at uh, indoctrinating generations of kids to believe this stuff. Well, well, let me ask you a question here,
0: Patrick. Is there a nation on the face of the planet that is better than the United States of America?
1: Not now, not ever. No. No. We, we, and we were the engine that pushed Christianity out at our founding, uh, Christianized the world. The world has been blessed through the Christian efforts of this nation. There is no better system. There, even our, our, our people we call living below the poverty level live better because I've been different places. I mm-hmm. saw what the poor and even the middle class look like in places like Egypt, around the Middle East, in Greece and some places. Our poor people live better than, than most people that live in the, in the populous nation of India. Because right. they say, do you have a car? Well, most people do. Well, you're rich. Like, no, everybody has a car. You right. don't you don't realize how good we have in this country till you see the standards of other nations. Right, and
0: it's it's just a totally uh, a different idea. But there are there are people today, and of course it's being taught in the schools today that America is not the best nation, and, and people will go and say, well, you've got you know uh, England, the UK. Well, they probably now that Brexit's happened, they probably don't uh,
1: yeah. don't tell use that <laughs> one. But they
0: will go and say you know Canada and all these other ones. They're just as good, if not better, than the United States. Well, when you start looking at this here, they don't have free speech. America is on the verge of losing its free speech, but we still have free speech, and we still have free assembly, uh, and we still have um, the freedom of religion. I, I, I could debate what the the First Amendment means. It really is freedom of denomination within the Christian religion, but right. uh, but but that's okay. We won't get into that today. Um, you look at Canada, they don't have that. In the UK, they don't have that. There, there are comedians who have been put in jail for the jokes that they make. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying they were good jokes. I don't know if they were good jokes or bad jokes, funny jokes, not funny jokes. Uh, you know, sometimes people want to put me in jail for my jokes. But the reality of it <laughs> is, is that I, I can tell my bad jokes in uh, in the United States and not be put in jail for it.
1: Well, it's censorship. They, you can only speak what's politically correct, which is a form of, of cultural Marxism, another name for cultural Marxism. Number four, curricular materials, especially teachers, guys, which promote guided imagery and visualization. So,
0: so this is something that, uh, that happened to me when I was in, in school. I remember the whole close your eyes and think of an ocean. Mm-hmm. Hear the sounds. Relax. Yeah, just think of an ocean. And I mean, we're talking about second, third grade, turning the lights off after coming in from recess to try to get everybody calmed down and, and go and, and have that happen. Um, I didn't know it when I was in second and third grade. I know it now, and i and when I was in junior high, I remember thinking back after studying some religion and things like that, and going, that's Eastern religion that they're pushing
1: <laughs> I got it. I got cookies and milk and then was told to lay down on a mat and, you know, we take a nap. I'm going, you just give me sugar. They gave me an imaginary ocean.
0: Where's my cookies and milk? I got
1: got sugar and I was told to take a nap after I got sugar. Now, that's not typically conducive between sugar and a kid up and then having them lay down and take a nap, but that's the way it used to be back then. You know, you got
0: baby boomer privilege here. The the millennials upset now. I didn't get my chocolate milk and cookies. I wasn't under the
1: 1992 uh, (laughs) Institute for New Age and Global Education. Number five, curriculum materials would state that their chief goal is to reduce the spirit of patriotism again they're attacking burn the flag all this other st- attacking the patriotism which is in effect it's an indirect direct attack on our christian heritage because that's the founding of this nation to attack mm-hmm. that to be proud of your nation today stand for the national anthem there and you see that it's working quite well in the education system too that people don't want to do that they don't appreciate the nation that god has given us or the system and we're we're reigning, of course in rebellion to god that ticks me off it 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 Yep. It it ticks
0: me off. You know, I love this nation.
1: There's plenty of people that have fought blood and died for this nation, and they've brought back. They may have come back um, physically whole or at least partially whole. But what you see and do affects that person the rest of their life. And the sacrifice that they made and continue to make dealing with the things they did to keep us free. And then people have the goal and audacity to attack this nation, the flag that they served under. Not right,
0: right. You, you know when when the uh, the whole Colin Kaepernick kneeling thing happened in the NFL, and and you heard the sermon that I preached to stand or kneel, and it was it was a sermon that was non-committal. Actually, in the standing or kneeling, it was saying here we need to we need to focus in on uh, what really matters here on this other thing, but I was by no means downplaying. American patriotism. In fact, when I first found out about this, in fact, I, I remember watching, I think it was a preseason game or maybe it was the first week of the year, watching this, I'm sitting next to Sarah, my, my wife, and I turned to her and I said, you know, if I were his teammate, I'd take my helmet and smack him right in the head make sure he could never go and play again. Well, and, and I know some people might go and say, that's pretty extreme. But listen to what I'm saying here. It's a privilege what he was doing in the the freedom that gave him that privilege he was spitting upon
1: well former nfl linebacker james harrison played for the steelers i think his last season he played for the patriots He's, he said at the time if somebody on my team's not standing for the flag they better have a broken leg or yeah. he said or well, i'll give them one something to that effect <laughs> so there's a good guy
0: I, i'm not i'm not too old as, as 1992 we're talking about but i'm old enough to remember uh planes flying into the twin towers Mm-hmm. And I'm old enough to have read the, uh, the Quran. And in reading the Quran and seeing those planes hit the towers, you find out that that is the true teaching of the Quran. And when people go and they start saying that Islam is okay, that we should bring Muslims into this nation, that we should go and do all this, and it's anti American garbage that they start pushing, mm-hmm. it infuriates me. I, I, I don't know. That, that gets me pretty mad. Well, all this stuff ties together. We, we better keep going before I get flagged yeah. for hate speech here pretty soon and get yeah. thrown in jail for something like
1: this. That'll be next week. This is the Shining Light podcast, no Pastor Sam. So, <laughs> in emphasis, number six, this last one, and this is really going to get us into the New Age portion, an emphasis on teaching children the concept of entering and meditation. So, that's exactly what they're they're doing right now. They call it mindful awareness or mindfulness is kind of how they say they don't want to call it meditation because they know that some of you would pick up on that pretty quick oh hey wait isn't meditation part of the new age well they're not going to call it that they have a a way the left always does the liberals always do they're going to change words words that have kind of a stench about them we're going to relabel them repackage them and represent the ideas so mindful awareness mindfulness is an intentional non judgmental mental awareness of the present moment so you're you're kind of being trained to let the thoughts come in your head and let them go Make no judgment on the rightness or wrongness. Now, does the Bible tell us, Pastor Sam, as Christians, that we are to know the difference between right and wrong, or is that even important to God? Is sin even something we need to worry about? It, it, it doesn't just tell us that we are to know the difference between right and wrong, but that we are to judge
0: the difference between right and wrong. Judge? That's, wait a minute, that's a strong word. i am told that we're not supposed to judge as Christians.
1: Yeah, Matthew 7-2,
0: judge not lest you be judged. You, you know, Patrick, what I think you should do is you should go and, and listen to the Shining Light podcast specifically. Uh, the episode where we go and we, I'm trying to think of the word, we we, we used it here. I, I can't remember the name of it, but we go over and we, we said the talk. most misused uh, scripture.
1: Misused verses
0: in the Min- Bible. Yeah, yeah. Right. And, and so you need to go and watch that so you can uh, uh, understand what that uh, Matthew 7-2 is talking about. And, and so okay. do you if you haven't watched it yet. You need to, too.
1: Yeah, we, we keep those in our archives so you can... Uh... You know, stake standard, or if you just run across this recently, go back and, and see the different topics that we will we'll talk about. So, well over hundred podcasts
0: now. I mean, yeah, you, yeah. You, can, you can watch for days. We're doing
1: it. So, but that that is um, so the idea that we're not, you know, you're not supposed to make a judgment on your thoughts being right or wrong. Is it exactly diametrically opposed to God's moral absolutes defining right and wrong? It's it's not that you let your thoughts go. It's that your thoughts you push out those bad thoughts, those wrong thoughts, and you draw closer to God. So these things are are let, have less influence. I mean, temptations come from the wrong thoughts. But it's not to be. There's no such thing as right or wrong. It's a, a theme that we keep getting back to at the new age that there is no moral absolutes.
0: Well, and they they try to push this idea that mindfulness uh, isn't religious. In fact, they they try to push it as part of the curriculum. Uh, that there are no spiritual overtones with it. Right. And, you know, Patrick, is that even
1: possible? It's not possible. They use the exact same techniques that they use in openly Eastern religions, Hinduism, Buddhism, which a lot of this is drawn from, even using this, the gongs or the sounds. Maybe they won't use a gong. Maybe they'll use something else to make the sound. It's exactly the same techniques. The only reason they say this is they know that there would be pushback if you would come to school and say, hey, we're here to install... Eastern religion, mysticism, meditation into your school district. Well, a lot of people say, well, no, I don't want that. But by claiming that this is strictly a secular pursuit, again, to help your kids be less violent, uh, help them focus and concentrate it'll improve their grades, all these sorts of things, all that we're told is going to be a good thing for your kids, that's, that's, we can't do these things if the parents are going to be pushing back. So they lie about it. Let's call it what it is. They're lying about it. This is
0: a lie. You know, I remind you, we're talking about this coming into schools, uh, Christian schools, public schools. They're they're coming into schools here, and and they're doing this. Um, but we do need to just tell you the difference, I think, quickly between Eastern meditation and biblical meditation, because the Bible does talk about meditation. You know, you ought to meditate on scripture.
1: Yeah, and Uh, they would
0: point to that and say, see, here's that word. Right, Psalm 1, Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the sea of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate, meditate day and night. What's the difference here between biblical meditation Mm -hmm. and uh, Eastern meditation? And and we're gonna dive into this probably more in another podcast, Mm -hmm. But just as, as we're kind of coming uh, on the last leg of this podcast here,
1: I think it'd be good just so that people could understand that before we look at the dangers of meditation. So so the Eastern religion is to clear your mind. Um, in a church, sometimes they'll say one word, Jesus, repeat over and over, and then clear your mind and then wait for God to respond or something to respond, right? Mm-hmm where the Bible tells us not to clear our mind, but to fill our mind with the wisdom that comes to us in the Bible, to meditate on God's Word, what we've just read, read our Bible, think about it. How does that apply? What is God saying? Not what do I want God to say or what God should have said according to my flawed opinion. What is God telling me here in this instance? How does this relate to what else God has told me in my other scripture reading? And I am to contemplate this. How can I apply this in my life? Uh, how, how is this going to affect me and my person? Put this in my heart. That's the sort of thing. It's filling your mind with God's word, not emptying it of all things, then allowing these, as we talked about before, these other forces, which are not of God ever. Right. To fill your mind with these other thoughts and these, these ideas, that's that's not biblical at all. That is Eastern mysticism. That is Eastern religion.
0: Right. When it comes to meditation, uh, biblical meditation, you're always meditating on something. You're adding to your mind. You're never taking away from your mind. You might be shutting off other aspects in in focusing on something, but
1: you're always focusing on something, and it is the Word of God that you're focusing it on. Exactly, so it says try not to use the term meditation, this is what they're saying, but instead of more secular terms such as relaxation, relaxation practice, creative visualization, deep breathing exercise, or centering practice. These things all sound much better than meditation, but they are exactly meaning meditation. Mm-hmm. So it says if you study Buddhism's goal of detachment, it only follows that mindfulness meditation amounts to being trained not to feel anything and to become enlightened to the ideas that everything is an illusion. Now, that's goofiness right there, that's yeah. just goofy. But, but it makes
0: sense why you've got people who dye their hair red and then go shoot up
1: uh, movie theaters because they're detached from reality. Yep. And see, this is unnatural. If God would have wanted us to function this way, he would have instructed us to do so in the Bible. This is an unnatural reordering of the mind and the way Mm -hmm. things are, are, are designed to be. And whenever you take God's perfect design, even though man's fouled it up, we still stick with the design, and we go contrary to that design, there are going to be some bad consequences because God's the creator. There's always consequences for disobeying God. He created things a certain way. It's like saying, well, um, uh, th- this car has a bumper on it, so I'm going to go ahead. It's not designed to run into that pillar at 70 miles an hour, but I'm going to go ahead and do that. What's the consequences of that? You're probably not going to survive it. Y- even though it has right. a bumper on the front of it, it's not designed for running into pillars at 70 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. So the, when they tell you there's these benefits of, of meditation to the kid, that they're going to be more relaxed, more home, here. Less, less violent. So this is the selling point. But a, a, a study has indicated, because they've looked at, okay, what are the effects of these kids uh, that have, what are some of the side effects? This is what they don't talk about. What are some of the side effects of meditation that people get into meditation? We have a whole list here. The dangers and side effects of meditation. What are some of those? Uh, well, insomnia. I mean, who, who doesn't love some insomnia,
0: some fear, some hypersensitivity to light and sound, anxiety? And they're
1: told it, it's going to get rid of anxiety, but it actually causes anxiety. Yeah, okay, go ahead.
0: Uh, well, well, let's just stop there. Have you seen a time and place... Uh, you know, Patrick, did you need safe spaces when you went to school?
1: I never even heard of safe spaces when I went to school. That concept wasn't in in fashion yet.
0: Yeah. These kids, uh, oh, we're taking care of them, and they're getting all better, and da-da-da-da-da, because we're taking care of all this stuff. But they need safe spaces still. Yeah. Yeah, sounds like they're getting kind of sissier to me. Well, and,
1: it is, uh, yeah, part of the process. Of... It
0: of It's the idea of, yeah, instead of less anxiety, they have more anxiety. And it's it's ridiculous but uh difficult eating
1: um, difficulty eating i've not i'm obviously not meditating because i don't have that problem as you well know uh panic and paranoia psychosis seizures
0: mania visual hallucinations which is probably seeing demonic
1: activity and, and some of these things are exactly the same as like you would get with drug abuse too yeah, but, yeah, so you're, you're gonna... getting some of the same stuff and drugs are also a pathway to this demonic world where you allow these demonic influences to come in and infect your mind, especially with these hallucinogenic drugs. But you're getting some of the same uh, bad results with, with meditation. But go ahead. Unable to function or work.
0: A loss of sense of identity. So instead well, of finding wow. out who you are, well, you're maybe a man, maybe you're a woman. We don't know what you are. Yeah, uh-huh. They lose their identity. Um, psychotic depression. Well, that wouldn't be good. Elevated mood
1: and grandiose delusion. My wife actually accuses me of grandiose delusion sometimes. <laughs> uh, unrestrained
0: behavior. Sexual, sexual and, and violence. violence. Pain. Confusion and disorientation. Feelings of emptiness. Depersonalization impairment of social relationships you you know this impairment of social relationships uh one thing and and obviously we're doing a podcast we're not against podcasts Mm -hmm. uh, but one thing that's interesting to find out is that the millennials and the the newer generations the younger generations coming up they have a a love for podcasts and Mm -hmm. and i i was talking to a gen x guy and a gen x baby boomer right on the the fringe there and as i was talking to him um they, they were saying, yeah, all these people like, dude, podcasts because some of these podcasts are two or three hours long. I mean, you've got like the the Joe Rogan podcast, you've got and I'm not endorsing these podcasts, but'm I'm, ju- mm-hmm. I'm just saying you've got these uh, the, um, huh, uh, the 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 Reuben report, the I think that's what it's called the with Dave Rubin and all, all these things but they're longer podcasts, longer form podcasts. And in he's saying like who's got time to to listen to these long podcasts? And mm-hmm. I said, well these people they're they're sitting there and I pull up my phone but right now it's it's working for us so I'm not gonna pull it up but uh, <laughs> it, they go and they look at their phone all day, they spend all this time the screen time they, they only go and they, they watch a TV and they, they or 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 their phone or whatever. Mm-hmm. And and so they start to watch podcasts of people having a conversation because they don't have conversation and so they're seeking to have that conversation. So what's a two or three hour conversation to, to watch and listen to? Because most of us have uh, two- or three-hour conversations uh, throughout our day. Mm-hmm. And they're so desperately looking for that. As as God said in Genesis 1, it's not good for a man to be alone. It's not good for Adam to just be Adam. But there needs to be more of mankind.
1: Well, feelings of emptiness, you mentioned that. What do you expect? You're, you're emptying your mind. You're trying to empty your mind. And your confusion, disorientation, depression. Yeah, so there's no right or wrong now. There's no meaning to life. Really, there's no meaning to life. Well, it's, that it's, would be depressing. So yeah. what's this all about? And ultimately, when you come to the nihilism. final decision that life has no purpose, this is when people actually get suicidal. What's yeah. the point? Yeah, nihilism. Yeah. Um,
0: but but I mean, they're they're trying to create tin man syndrome. Uh, this idea of people without hearts. That's
1: mm-hmm. what they're
0: really really trying to make.
1: Well, you got cognitive, perceptual, and sensory aberrations. I don't so even know what that not, means. You're not. You're you're, <laughs> you're you're not like normal stimuli is being warped and twisted in your perceptions of it. Mm -hmm. Like you're kind of gone from reality. So the the stimulation of reality just doesn't hit you the right way. It's disempowering, which that's not good. And it causes passiveness and compliance even when those negative responses to certain situations, when those are negative responses to certain situations. And I think that's a huge one to, to hit on. And I think that's maybe what they're wanting, ultimately, right? Right, right. That's they're exactly. wanting a compliant, non-thinking people that do what they're told to do. That right. makes you a useful drone in the cog of the, the greater right. one world, one government, one religion society. Well, people want useful idiots.
0: And, and I think that's a pretty good place to kind of uh, wrap up here, is to warn you about this, the idea of meditation is pushing our children... This next generation, well, my generation, we're talking 1992 here, 28 years ago. They want them to be useful idiots, and, and, and I've met a lot of people who are around my
1: age. A lot of them are useful idiots. Well, if this is in your school, and it probably is, and if you don't know about it, maybe you should check into it and see if there's anything going on called mindfulness or anything related to this, that they've got your children in under this, this needs to stop and but quick, and maybe you need to be the instrument to kind of inform other parents what's going on in your school district, and it needs to be put an end to. They're not there, although that's what they do. It's an indoctrination machine. If your kids are in a public education system or even in the Christian schools, it has no business being in either place. This is something we wanted to warn you about today, something for you to look into. That's right. For the Shining Light Podcast, this is Pastor Sam. And Patrick No Compromise with Eva Wyatt.
0: Have a great day.